Activating the time portal. Land before time land, land before time land, from the Cretaceous to the Jurassic, from the Great Green Valley to the big, big water. This land was made for time and land. Welcome to Land Before Timeland, the podcast where we watch every single Land Before Time movie in order. I'm Chris Nebergall. And I'm Madeline May. And uh, joining us in Land Before Timeland this week, you may know him as Some Jerk with a Camera, the host of One Movie Later and Escape from Vault Disney, ladies and gentlemen, Tony Goldmark. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here at Land Before Timeland. This is... uh... It's uh, not the comfiest place to spend a quarantine, but, you know, it's very old-timey, very rustic, very... Yeah, uh, well, you know, the coronavirus uh, won't be invented for another 100 million years or so. so that is very... That is very shrewd. Wh- that is uh, yeah, which which is ironic because our time machine is powered by COVID nineteen. So hmm. uh, there you go. So how are we going to get back to the present? Um, well, uh, we thankfully, to... we're both ve- we're all very very sick. So I think we'll be oh, okay. Good. We're we're gonna die. Okay. Well, well, we can be cured, of course, by the golden petals of the little. <laughs> what is, you know, and so what, so, what is it called in this dumb in this dumb, uh, the night flower? The night, the night fucking, flower. Yeah. Uh, so so that golden. <laughs> That's the cure for COVID-19. That's what the government doesn't want you to know. Yeah, as long as you're an an old grandpa dinosaur, it'll cure any disease that you could possibly have. Um, it'll cure, and- parentheses, <laughs> this sickness. <laughs> Whatever. I've seen this sickness before. I mean, if, it's a cure-all. It's- if this wasn't a kid's movie, like, grandpa would, like, be coughing blood. Just <laughs> onto his. Uh, Instead, he's just tired. Yeah. That's all it is. I, I want a dinosaur selling snake oil cures based on this flower <laughs> in the next movie. Uh, Come on, get your night flower here. One hundred percent. It'll cure what ails you. Step aside, boy. You bother me. Oh my. Oh my God. Uh, so that leads uh, actually pretty well to our first question. Uh, Tony, how much experience uh, do you have in in the Land Before Time universe? Not much. I definitely watched the first movie when I was a kid. I haven't seen it in literally decades. Uh, I remember by the time they started making the direct-to-video sequels, I was a little too old for the franchise, so I just really didn't care. But I kept seeing them at video stores and shit, and... Like, I remember uh, the VHS tape for Casper had a trailer for, I think, Land Before Time 3 at the beginning or, or something. And uh, and I was like, wow, they're still making these damn things? Like, even into the 2000s and shit. I mean, it was... I, I just remember being almost impressed by the sheer crassness of how much they just wouldn't let the franchise die. Well, they made 14 of them. If you can 14, yes, which is they made 14 uh, Air Bud movies as well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, pro- but, I mean, if you cl- include those Air Buddy movies, and absolutely, right, 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 right yeah, Santa Buddies, um, the whole Santa Buddies. Universe. That's that's one of my pitches for season two of this podcast. Is we do all the <laughs> Air Bud movies. Ain't no rule says a dinosaur can't play basketball. <laughs> Um, uh, the, the, uh, but yeah, the only Land Before Time movie I had actually seen before today was the first one, and that was when I was a really little kid. I, I barely even remembered it. Well, we've just watched, obviously, the uh, second and third one, and, and we can tell you that uh, 
having just seen the fourth one, it's it's more of the same. The all of these films kind of take place in this weird uh, universe where they just ignore the first movie and the epic journey of of growth and and self discovery that the kids went on in it. It's just now we're in the Great Valley and we're learning little childhood lessons and except when you venture out of the Great Valley like they do in this movie. But th- this is this is the longest time they've ever spent out of the Great Valley since the first one. They they spend every movie going to uh, what they call the mysterious beyond or as we like to think of it, where they were in the first movie. Yeah. Like, I don't understand <laughs> the why they it's... used to live. <laughs> yeah. We are here to talk about Land Before Time 4, Journey Through the Mist. I, I rented it on YouTube, and almost immediately I watched it in 1.5 speed, because I'm like, fuck this shit. I'm not... <laughs> And and I don't I don't feel like I missed anything. I really don't. I don't That's think you did. Very smart. There are a lot of just belabored <laughs> shots where they're like, we, mm-hmm. we we can get five seconds out of this character walking out of frame. They they belabor what the word migrating means, like it's some sort of educational PBS show designed to teach kids vocabulary. Like, yeah. what does migrating mean? Well, that means you don't live in one area. You live in other areas. And then they spend like five months on the scene where they just try to get the Triceratops, Sarah, to admit that she's going to miss Littlefoot if he has to leave. Yeah. It's like, what was the point of any of that? And the whole opening to this, this is the fourth movie. And so far, every single one of them has started with that lengthy evolution montage opening millions of years ago there were dinosaurs that's so that's this equivalent of a theme song yes is that boring narration of the fucking of the richard kiley sounding motherfucker go you know millions of years ago before there were countries or cities or states before there were horses or or bears or (laughs) elephants or or oatmeal or industry or Thousands of years ago in the future, there was a war between... Yeah, we get it. It's a dinosaur movie. We saw that there were dinosaurs on the video box art. You don't need to... I I understand that these movies were made for basically preschoolers. I feel like even as a preschooler, this would have bored me. So before we start, there's there's an interesting bit of trivia about this movie that you may that you may not know. All of these movies uh, are mediocre musicals. They all have these three terrible, right. lazy songs crammed in there at some point. But for this movie and this movie only, they got Leslie Brickus to do the songs, and I noticed that. Yeah, yeah. Um, for those who don't know, he wrote "Pure Imagination" in yep. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. He, he he wrote he co-wrote all the songs in in Willy yeah. Wonka. He he worked on the original uh, Doctor Doolittle uh, as right. well, and he has co-written a lot of pieces with John Williams for film scores, including for Hook and Harry Potter. So yep. this is by far the and- realest guy they've got to do <laughs> any music for these films since the first one. And let's not forget, also co-wrote the theme from Goldfinger. Yes, and uh, fucking also you only live twice. Goldfinger, how does how do you go from Goldfinger to fucking Land Before Time four? Hey, you gotta eat. 
<laughs> I guess so. You gotta Mother eat. Fucker. It must have been a bad year for still, him, you know. He probably still gets royalties from that shit. I mean, I mean, the whole apparatus of like ASCAP and BMI and all those songwriting royalties is to make it so if you write some iconic songs, you basically never have to work again. So yes, I don't know. Maybe uh, Leslie, maybe he had is, gambling debts. Yeah, or something. Leslie, if you're still alive, I hope you had a good contract when you made all these yes. all these songs. So we open with what we talked about before, the evolution opening, which all these movies have. But this is the fastest evolution opening and the laziest (laughs) of every single one. The first two sequels open with like space montages. This one's just like, no, title. Let's get out of here. This is the fourth one. We need (laughs) to move on. We can only do one tenth of the opening of the dinosaur part of Fantasia this time. Good Lord. Um, one thing uh, that we noticed, uh, uh, Chris made a comment that I thought was very funny. Um, you said, uh, we are now at anime levels of animation. Right off the bat, we're, we're, the animation quality noticeably deteriorates with each movie. And we're at the point in this one where there, there are the least amount of, of frames um, going on. Mm. Obviously, we mean bad anime. Of course, there are some anime that are very lovely right, animated, course. and we're going to get comments on that no matter how we phrase it. At this point, we get a pretty basic opening. All of them open with the dinosaurs just having fun and playing. That's basically how these all start. Littlefoot's mm-hmm. chasing a bug. That kind of yeah, and he's a soft. He's a soft boy, and I love him, and I want to keep him safe. And he's mm. just chasing the bug, and he ends up in the mysterious beyond which at this point i'm just imagining there are a million ways to get into the mysterious beyond which (laughs) is amazing to me because they say that like sharp teeth cannot get there but they have every single option to yeah it's it's not too hard it it doesn't seem like like the other um the other long neck who leads him into the great beyond or the or the valley of the dolls or whatever the fuck (laughs) it's called She's like, oh, I think I know where it is. Oh, here it is. You know, it was it was temporarily a problem that she might not know where they're going. But then, <laughs> oh, it turns out we did know where we're going. Oh, and there's another shortcut that the Charles Durning sea turtle will lead them to. The journey to, like, you can tell they couldn't afford to design and animate that many characters. At the beginning, the, the grownups keep telling them, like, oh, you mustn't go to the, the scary valley because there's so many evil creatures there and then the only villain the only monsters they encounter in the whole damn thing is the tress mcneil alligator and her incompetent bird friend yes which which Which, continues a proud tradition of just the goofiest villains possible in, in, in these movies and it's always an Animaniacs reunion of some kind. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, t- tons of Animaniacs, um, Tiny Toons characters. Did Spielberg still have any involvement in these things? None whatsoever. By this point? No. It, it wasn't None even yeah. Amblin or or Don Bluth oh, studio. It was Universal's like in-house animation studio, Cartooniversal. Right. Uh, which, as it was called at the time, that did uh, so they're just yeah. so they're just hiring the Animaniacs voice actors just to soak up a bit of that magic. Yes. I think they're just on wow. call, honestly. Like, we just need... <laughs> I mean, voice actors are not exactly known for being super picky about the role. No, no, take, of course you know, not. Kind and, of a gig. I mean, in this case, like like you mentioned uh, Leslie Brickus earlier, the one, I thought, piece of creativity in this whole movie was the lyrics to the song about how the alligator and the bird can't stand each other. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love that part. Like, like, it legitimately. felt very classic musical. It felt like it should have been on a big, splashy film in the 50s. Yeah, like uh, like just the, um, the 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 rhymes that Leslie comes up with for who needs you, like for quickness of mind, a rock outspeeds you, 
you truly disgrace the race that breeds you. That, that That's kind of cute. They're, that's they're kind of definitely clever. the best songs that have appeared in this series so far. Uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're very, very uh, well into it from two, where the song is just eggs. 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 Oh, yeah, one of the worst songs <laughs> I've ever heard. And the third movie is probably the worst one we've seen so far. I think this number four, I mean, it's bad. Like, we're, we're going to make fun of it. But it's definitely the best of the sequels that we have seen so far. Yeah, you, you, really? you joined yeah, this in is, on this is the, the best, best, this is the best one. one so you, far. You joined in at the bottom of the hill when we're starting to climb up again. Oh, man. Because to me, this was just boring. I mean, I mean, I guess it's... I guess technically mediocre is better than god awful, but in in some respects I might have preferred god awful because this wasn't even the fun kind of bad to me. This was just fucking boring. Yeah. So getting back to the plot, uh, like we mentioned before, right. uh, Littlefoot kind of sees the mysterious beyond, and he watches this migrating um, clan of longnecks that are coming mm-hmm. to the Great Valley. There's this really bizarre scene where like Littlefoot tells like his grandpa and grandma like hey we i saw a migration or i see another word migration yeah he says hey i saw a clan of long necks and like yeah we saw him too and um his grandma's like licking him to give him a bath when they're like surrounded by water which i thought yeah. was really bizarre <laughs> yeah. grandma's got a fetish for something <laughs> There's a, there's a lot of uh, dino. To, right. There's a lot of dino to dino licking in this series. Yeah, it's really fun. And here is is where we get our first kind of sense of danger, where uh, Grandpa stumbles. Grandpa, are you all right? Strange. I I suddenly felt so tired. I'm like, oh god, he's got the old. He's got the old <laughs> disease. He gonna die. Criminal case of elderly character. He's got Joe Biden. There's no cure for it. He's going down. <laughs> he's got mom in Wonder Park disease. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, hey there, little foot. Try to watch out for uh, corn chip and uh, black eyed peas. Gonna be walking around and uh, <laughs> s- smelling out your dog and uh, keep your plants at home where you can water them in front of your now i never owned a plant because you know my was my brother never liked him and he would always come in and smash the pot up against my head and let's just go little foot he doesn't know what he's saying anymore grandpa's saying the quiet part loud again (laughs) and and by the way the the grandpa dinosaur calls the grandma dinosaur grandma so it's Mike Pence. Yeah, there you was go. Was a grandpa dinosaur. And uh, this movie uh, steals directly from the first Land Before Time movie by uh, occasionally, obviously cutting from the s- mediocre score that was composed for this movie to recycled tracks from James Horner's score to the original movie. You know, I was I was taking notes on this while watching it, and one of my notes just says. This makes the Lion King remake look necessary. (laughs) Very apt. (laughs) Another one of my notes just says, I don't like dinosaurs anymore. (laughs) Oh, no. 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 Well, good thing you're stuck with them uh, with us here in the past. Yes, and the the space between times where we have this podcast. Another one of my notes, I just wrote in all caps, SOMETHING HAPPENED! (laughs) (laughs) Three exclamation marks. Uh, So anyway, the Longnecks get to the Great Valley, and uh, one of them, who's just known as the Old One, which I think it's really funny that Grandpa and Grandma are calling her the Old One, as she (laughs) introduces herself. 
um, is like, hey, everything's going bad. There's this uh, miss that's um, traveling across the country and making uh, slightly modern-looking animals appear. And <laughs> it's it's the fog that turns us inside out. <laughs> All of these movies uh, exist against this backdrop of existential dread that the planet is changing. It's it's almost like they're the dinosaurs are living through their own climate apocalypse. Like the extinction mm-hmm. is on the horizon. Every- Boy, can't I imagine how that feels. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Littlefoot meets um, the 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 female long neck. Allie is her Allie. Right. I, Allie. Even though I wrote just Ladyfoot on my notes when she came on the screen. Uh, this is our first instance of a pink dinosaur equals girl, uh, which which, oh, which yeah. happens a lot in the TV show. I love that she has just like longer eyelashes too, like she has makeup and mascara, so you know. <laughs> Even though uh, the she's dinosaur shouldn't have eyelashes at all. How else would you identify that Allie is girl? Yeah, it couldn't give her a personality. That doesn't work. No, not at all. No, that 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 would be too much work. And, and it's so funny because when she and Littlefoot go to, to meet his friends, the first thing they say is. Oh my god, there are two little foots. Hey, look, there are two little foots. Which I think is amazing. We were the, thinking the, the same yeah, thing. Much. The design is identical, except the color is yeah. slightly pinker and the eyelashes are slightly longer and the eyes are mm-hmm. a different hue. That's the extent of the differences. And it was also amazing to me that dinosaurs can't tell the difference between each other until I realized like this is the first time they've ever seen like two of any one dinosaur in this movie because they're so cheap. Uh, they just had never experienced that well, before. Seen, so like if Sarah... Seen they've seen the t- <laughs> but they've seen the two old dinosaurs that are both long necks. No, but, yeah, are, but those are older. We've never had like another child uh, three horn or another child ducky in these, mo- at least these sequel movies. So I, I just thought that was yeah. just hysterical that they just could not tell them apart. So Allie is a dino racist, which is an ongoing... Mm-hmm. problem that this universe uh, has that it keeps bringing up in the movies. Uh, here we are 66 million years later, nothing's changed. So she doesn't want to play with Littlefoot's other friends and so begins the tragic jealousy struggle between Allie and Sarah over Littlefoot's soul. Oh yeah, I think Allie's, Allie is, is and- totally a hussy, just uh, trying to just take him away from his friends, uh, create a really toxic relationship between her and Littlefoot. It's completely dangerous, and I do not approve of it. No, I mean, Sarah's the toxic one. Sarah Sarah speaks her mind, and I appreciate that. I I think she's a queen bitch, and I love her for it. She's a bitch, all right. (laughs) All the bad vibes come from her. It's a thankless job, too, because without Sarah, there wouldn't be any conflict in these movies. So somebody's got to do that job, because otherwise they would just, like, stay home and do nothing, you know, because they're fucking dinosaurs or just wait for the tress mcneil alligator to show up and try to eat him littlefoot starts hanging out with this this other dino girl uh his friends are, are jelly and then <laughs> littlefoot's granddad uh collapses into the vague illness coma of of doom and the <laughs> only way to save him is to journey to the terrifying place where the long necks that just showed up in the valley came from to get the golden night flower that will save his life. And it takes Littlefoot a while to reach that conclusion. Like Littlefoot hears about the night flower that can save his grandpa. And he keeps saying, there must be something I can do. And then his grandma sings the dumb song about the circle of life. For the circle of life continues every day. 
None of us can stop it from going on its way. And then leaves him to sleep and he can't sleep. And he says, I know what I can do. I can find the night flower. It took you that long to figure that out, well, little foot? Well, actually, no, because two um, two together. Well, actually, no, because when he's talking to uh, the old one and her uh, clan, he talks about, like, can somebody go out into the mysterious beyond and, like, get the flower? And she's like, no, it, it's far too dangerous. Uh, Grandpa is just going to have to die. And they just leave. And I imagine, like, Grandpa just goes over to Littlefoot. It's like, don't listen to what they say. Get me that flower. Like, get me, you get keep me that flower. You little goddamn flower if you want me to love you in heaven, son. You little shit. Like, I'm dying, Littlefoot. Please get me the fucking flower. My favorite reaction in that scene is when Allie's mom, Allie's like, we got to do something. And Allie's mom, in a very Stepford Wives type voice, just says, we can do nothing. Yeah. Wow, yeah. great message of hope for your daughter there. He also says that like if he dies and they have to leave the Great Valley, which I don't understand the logic behind that, like they can just continue to stay there. They don't need grandpa around. Well, the, the, yeah, they can there's this they can eat his carcass for food. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's this weird threat that the environmental change is going to reach the Great Valley at some point and and grandpa's like you know, oh, you and your grandmother have to migrate with the other long necks. But then at the end of the movie, when they revive him, he's just like, now we don't have to leave the Great Valley. And it's like, oh, so it wasn't because of an environmental change? Yeah, the cause and effect in this movie is, is, yeah. is l not consistent. Listen, Littlefoot, <laughs> the only reason you all are alive is because I have made some very powerful deals with some very strong dinosaurs. But upon <laughs> my death, no one will protect you anymore. You have to run, Littlefoot, run! Littlefoot... Uh, decides to go on his own to get this uh, golden flower. And bring Allie along because she knows the way. Yeah, and he's like, mm -hmm. oh, I should bring my friends too, but uh, fucking Ladyfoot's like, no, you don't need your friends. You have me, your new girlfriend. And so they just go. It's great. And naturally, they, they become immediately imperiled uh, in the first place they go. Of course. Uh, they do. Uh, Allie lets slip the information that she actually doesn't know where she's going, and she often forgets where she's come from. See, my herd has moved so much, sometimes I lose track of where I am or where I've been. But don't worry. I think we go this way. Which I thought was really funny to for Littlefoot to find out. Like, oh, by the way, I just have, like, massive brain problems because of traveling. Uh, we're going to die. I'm actually here to murder you. I hope that's okay. I thought I'd wait till these crags to tell you. I didn't want this to be the way you found out. I just, I've, I've, been, I've been hired by the mafia to, look, look, it's best if you just don't fight it. <laughs> Honestly, it would be easier if you just jumped into the river on your own, little foot. Just, just jump into the alligator's mouth. It'll be, it'll be fine. It, 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 it's, it'll be a quick, painless death. Uh, so, but eventually they get to um, uh, where they're trying to go, and we see a double rainbow. Uh, cue right. the sound. Cue the music. Cue the R.I.P. to a real one. After that, they get into a cave, which is a hallmark of these movies. They always somehow end up in a cave. Well, I have to imagine caves are pretty cheap to design. Yes. And yeah, that's very cheap background <laughs> to use. You don't have to they, draw They probably just plants. reuse the same cave in every damn movie. I'm pretty sure they do. I'm pretty sure I've seen uh, some of these backgrounds multiple times already. Uh, but the worst animation shot is to come, and as soon as we get to it, I'll... I'll right. a bit. Well, this next part is actually pretty boring. It's They kind of just go through the cave. They talk about God knows what. 
they do like this echoing thing. And then there's a. Yeah. We, we, later reused in Brother Bear, by the way. And also the, in the. Uh, having yeah. an argument with your own echo. Yes. And also in the TV show, they do it again. Uh, it's amazing. Mm. Um, and an earth shake happens and there's a, a big old cave in. Another hallmark of these movies. Another hallmark. Uh, earth shakes and cave ins. And uh, Ladyfoot has to go out and uh, get his friends uh, to, to save him. While this is happening, his friends are like, oh, Littlefoot doesn't like like us anymore we have to um get rid of that yokosaurus taking over his mind be my yokosaurus <laughs> and but ali comes in and it's like hey we gotta save uh littlefoot so littlefoot meanwhile is separated uh and meets uh his friend the sea turtle who is uh a big sea turtle who at first just tries to scare him and then immediately right. becomes uh his ally for all of five minutes Voiced by Charles Durning, yes, of all people. I guess this is penance for uh, him trying to kill a frog, is that he gets to be a sea turtle. <laughs> uh, so after that, they have this little conversation. They're trying to move these uh, rocks. And here we get the full picture of this this alligator who we've been following throughout the film. But we get like the just, just absolute shocker that they're just a talking like comedy villain duo. I did not expect this right. alligator to talk in this movie. That blew my mind. No, it, it, it looked like just like a cinema sinister alligator with these like glowing red eyes that just was going to follow them around the for at least a scene and just try to eat them but then it but, turns out but that then she is a, no it's it's like yeah. it's like tress mcneil doing an impression of like of like grandma clampett or something it was like like, like it was kind of an irene ryan voice almost or like ah, ah, you go get, get out of my cave swamp, yeah. y'all, yeah. boys. You yeah. go ahead and get my uh, poor boy Stupid little bird. full sandwich. <laughs> Gonna make us some dinosaur gumbo. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tress McNeil is is this uh, elderly uh, gator who can barely see anymore, and so to find mm -hmm. her food for her, she needs the help of her little cohort, a bird played by Jeff Bennett, and they are a comedy duo because the bird uh, does the seeing and the alligator does the killing, and without each other, they will not survive. Uh, but mm -hmm. the first thing they do is sing a song about how much they can't stand each other. I need you like a hole in the head. And I need you like a bug in the bed. You constantly buy the claw that feeds you. Who needs you, not me? Which slaps. I absolutely love this song. This was my one of my probably my favorite part of the whole movie. I, and it's not that great a song. No. It's just, it, I mean, that says more about the rest of the movie, honestly. I mean, I mean, it's got some clever lyrics, like I said, but I think Leslie Bricuse is, or, or Leslie Bricus, um is fundamentally a lyricist and not much for melodies. Like, I, I couldn't hum any of the songs from these movies if you put a gun to my head. Littlefoot's uh, friends come with Allie, and they are working to try and get him out of there. Um, while this happens, uh, one of our favorite Land Before Time tropes uh, reemerges. Rocks! Rocks <laughs> save the day. Uh, and then at this point, they get out there. They, they save the day. Everyone starts to accept Allie as a friend. Um, they kind of patch it up. And they eventually make it to the Land of Mists, where we were trying to get to this whole time. Only in the last, like, 20 minutes of the movie do they actually make the journey through the mists. Yeah, this, it's, yeah just like in a... Otherwise, it's just spent in the Great Valley and a cave, because they can only afford four locations in the whole damn movie. Just as we love it here at Land Before Time Land. And there's, there's a scene which I, I actually did think was a little bit lovely, where they, they kind of uh, lay down in this little field uh, to sleep, 
uh, thinking, oh, you know, we'll go find the, the flowers tomorrow. And the moon comes out, causing all the flowers to open. It turns out the flowers were all around them, and the flowers kind of sparkle magically and, and, and wake everyone up, and they, they realize that they have found them. And it's the one, the one moment in this movie that I personally thought was a little bit charming, uh, but just a little bit. I noticed that the flowers only started blooming after all the dinosaurs fell asleep. I would have loved it if they woke up in the morning and the flowers were just wilted, like 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 they're night flowers. So they literally only work at night. So they wake up in the mornings like, oh well, gotta look for those night flowers, and just they spend weeks just all the flowers only turn gold when they're asleep, and it's like it's like one froggy evening or something. Yeah, they just keep this. Oh yeah, it. and Grandpa's long dead. His body is decomposed yeah. <laughs> back into the ground. I'm uh, sorry, Grandma. We were just too incompetent. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Grandma just starts trying to swallow him whole. Um, mm-hmm. It's a beautiful. He's, okay, I don't know how small baby dinosaurs really were or child dinosaurs, but they look like there's some shots of this where they just look like fucking insects. It looks like if if the bigger dinosaurs just you know inhaled in the wrong direction, they would just swallow these kids alive. Oh yeah, the it's, perspective is awful in this series. It makes yeah. no sense. Uh, it, it's, it's, um, not as bad as cats. Cause that's a close example I can think of, but it's definitely God. around that ballpark cats, which was almost an animated film by amblimation. So it all fits together, God, man. You can never get too far. A uh, six degrees of what the hell <laughs> were they thinking? Uh, there are some bizarre moments that happened in this, uh, land of myths. Uh, for instance, there's a, a scene where like something rubs against Sarah's leg and she jumps. And he's like, Oh no, I felt something slimy, which is weird because like, she's a dinosaur. Like why in God's <laughs> name would that bother her? It's um, pretty amazing. Cause the only thing you can think about with that scene is, uh, Oh, I'm a girl and there's a bug. Ew, gross. Even though Sarah is, is normally the character who isn't afraid of anything. Okay. Dog germs, get some iodine. Yeah, get some disinfectant. <laughs> <laughs> they also meet some uh, some mice uh, in this scene right. that are that are living in the trees. Uh, also known. What do they call the mouse? Uh, they, they, uh, they, they, call they call them tickles. Tickles. <laughs> tickles. Okay. Voice, voiced, of course, by uh, Hollywood's animal noises man Frank Welker. Ah, yes. Can't do an animal movie without Frank Welker. Uh, I, I love when they, they meet these mice too. It's like, oh, these the the mice like, oh, these creatures are so cute, and they're like, we will destroy you when the time comes. The great fire will burn you and your families alive. We and will, will shelter in your bones when the asteroid comes and inherit the earth. And they're just like, oh, I'm gonna call you tickles, and like, your death will be quick and painful. Well, humans don't evolved from mice though really well, it's I mean, the I mean, mammal if, I mean, it's it the mammal been... revolution I, that's what's happening here with with these okay, myths well, well like if it had been a tribe of lemurs or something like that would have been an even more direct correlation or, or metaphor it's like yep we're gonna take over well, now that, now, that, well, that now was, uh tony goldmark now you're talking about uh the movie that ripped off the land before time disney's dinosaur, dinosaur. right you know, i had a bone to pick with your statement uh about the, the the rats and how it should be monkeys if we're talking about you know the evolution of the suspe- uh superior species uh, if we if right. you remember correctly tony goldmark uh mice are the most intelligent creature on the planet Earth. Oh, of course. Yes, Dol- yeah, dolphins, being dolphins being the second. Dolphins being the second. Dolphins being the Yeah, you know what? Shame on yes. me. You're right. Uh, some, yeah. Uh, d- they uh, they funded the whole experiment. They. <laughs> 
Here we find out that they call alligators belly draggers, which I think is cute. Uh, it's, it's insulting beyond degree. Okay. Uh, and that's just what they call them. I love it. Um, there's more of that odd couple stuff. There's a scene where Sarah falls in like a river who could possibly care uh she gets out uh, it's, it's weird but the action sequences in these movies are often some of the dullest most difficult to remember sequences. we skip them every podcast yeah. we go right past them it's it's so hard to focus on them because they're they're so boring i, I mean they i mean like i said earlier they, they keep talking about all the dangerous animals in this valley of the of the mist in the night flower but it's just the alligator bird villain combo who they meet in the caves yeah. and who follow them to the to the Valley of the Mist. Like, where are all these supposed dangers in the actual valley? Yeah, there's not a single one. Not No, it's just the mice. I, I mean, are the dinosaurs just scared of the mice? Well, they are because- Are they like, in, in are the, they like the elephants in Dumbo? Well, it's, well in the, the beginning, they, they actually say, oh, there are like scary things and we see these eyes piercing out of the trees. But here we find out that those eyes are just these mice so they right. were afraid okay, of so, nothing so this is about you know overcoming indoctrination yes. basically this like is, every film in this <laughs> this this fucking this is franchise. jojo rabbit with dinosaurs basically every <laughs> land before time film has some sort of reiteration of the same theme there yeah of of just you know the the basic generic like oh tolerance and it takes all kinds and uh, it, which they have they have another, uh, the third song in this piece of shit. Uh, yes, is, yeah, it, you know, it takes all type. It takes all sorts to make a world short and tall sorts, large and small sorts. Which I, again, I kind of like uh, all of the songs in this movie. Uh, this song in particular has, has the line, it takes dumb and wise types. <laughs> We need dumb. Well, you know, it reminds me, I forget I forget who said this, but there was some comedian who once, uh, part of his act was, you know, it takes all kinds. And then he pauses and takes a sip of water and he says, no, it fucking doesn't. We just have all kinds. <laughs> this also marks the first and um, possibly only time that Spike actually talks in the Land Before Time films. Mm. Ah. blew my child mind when this happened. <laughs> um, and it's so funny because to me, I, I remember this moment being more important as a kid. Like I thought it was in like a Spike centric episode, for instance, but like, no, like Spike has nothing to do in any of these movies. He's just, nope. he's there to pad the film out. Like we need to kill a minute. Let's have Spike lick something for an hour. And just to keep this, we ha we just have to keep this moving. Uh, it's kind of like when earth shakes happen, like, okay, we need something to happen. Just make an earthquake happens. We just, something has to happen. The bad guys jump out of nowhere, which is what bad guys do in these movies. They just appear like, ah, oh, we're here. Remember us? <laughs> and we're going to get you. Uh, and they almost get ducky. They almost eat her. And it's, it's very sad. Right. Uh, but then like Spike goes like, uses every ounce of his pea brain uh, willpower <laughs> to, to make a single word come out of his mouth. And I mean, these are dinosaurs, so they're, they're, all, they're all pea, pea brains, brain, yeah. um, ostensibly. And I guess Spike's a baby. Like, he's, like, younger than the other dinosaurs or something. There's a, there's an explanation, I guess. Yeah, he ha we see him hatching in the first movie. We do, yes. 
<laughs> so they get the flower. They escape the incompetent bad guys. Uh, they they say bye to their their friend Tickles, who does nothing in the film. Yeah, the mouse does nothing. Does absolutely nothing. Before I don't... we move on, I just want to point out there's a moment where the bird it refers to the dinosaurs as those rotten little edibles. <laughs> And it just, yes. it just made me realize how much I want some edibles, right? Oh, you, 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 you want some you want some tree stars? Uh, you know what? That brings up brings me up to my my question that I I ask all of our guests because I cannot let this go. This is the fourth or fifth time I've talked about this. There are all these scenes in these movies where, and our audience is going to be pissed off that I'm bringing this up again, that the, the, the dinosaurs are always talking about, oh, I'm so hungry. And I'm like, your entire world is food. There is grass <laughs> everywhere. and But they yep. all, like, all they care about is tree stars. So, so Chris and I theorize that tree stars are just like more valuable. They taste better than the, the other trees. Like or they're, they're addictive. Or they're addictive. Yes. They're like cat or like um, some kind of uh, some kind of um, meth for the uh, some kind of natural meth, which it is. All drugs are natural, and for these dinosaurs, because I don't understand why they're hungry all the time when they can just eat their floor. Yeah, there's probably some sort of hallucinogenic substance in the in these tree stars. Uh, yes, I mean I only saw the good dinosaur once, but I vaguely remember there was some sort of psychedelic trip out sequence, like they ate some plants that were supposed to be coated as like hot or LSD or something. I, I think and, that happened. That sounds like Yeah, maybe they, uh, it was the only thing that came close to a memorable scene in Good Dinosaur. So I don't know, maybe... Um, Maybe you're right. Maybe that's why they keep eating these that, things. That may that may have been um, uh, the scene where I pass out watching the film and have a nightmare, and I wake up screaming, and the audience is telling me to quiet down. Maybe that's the mm. the moment you're talking about. Uh, God, that's a terrible movie. There aren't a lot of good animated dinosaur movies. There aren't a lot of good dinosaur movies in particular. Like, like there's Land Before Time and Jurassic Park and what else? Yeah, I, I had this, this sort of moment uh, when we first started this podcast trying to think, what are my top five best dinosaur movies ever made? I, I, guess, I guess King Kong. Yeah, th those are too, my top but... three. The original King Kong, Land Before right. Time, and Jurassic Park. And to round it out to a top five, I have to pick a B movie. Like, I can't find a like, good one. I have to go to, like, 1 million BC or something. We've basically uh, reached the end of it. Um, they, yeah. They uh, had this moment, the, the bad guys kind of turn on each other because they've been having an odd couple relationship the right. whole movie. And, yeah, Littlefoot and his friends uh, say bye to Allie. Even Sarah is like, oh, I... I like you now, even though you're um, getting in on my man, I guess. I don't know why Sarah's so mad unless she has some kind of crush or something. I'm sure she does. but I, And then the narrator ominously says that uh, Littlefoot would meet Allie again, but that's a story for another time. That's, when uh, we figure out what it is. Uh, that's Land Before yeah, Time exactly. That's Land Before Time After Dark. Um, that's oh, yeah. uh, when they do uh, Taxi Cab Confessions. <laughs> <laughs> with with Littlefoot, uh, very excited. Uh, also, uh, you know, a good um, just to point this out, uh, kids at home, do not Google Land Before Time porn because you will find it, and you will oh find a terrifyingly large amount of it. Not just a few pictures, <sighs> a lot of pictures. Uh, so anyway, uh, that is the end of our discussion of the the feature. Now. 
uh, we are going into everyone's favorite segment. Or least favorite segment. Depending, yes. This may be when you turn off the podcast, listener. But this <laughs> is a segment we like to do. It's called Dino Facts with Professor Truthosaurus. Dino Facts is the segment where uh, I take something that is featured in the Land Before Time films and tell you some real-life paleontological facts that you may find interesting. Uh, the subject of this week's Dino Facts is uh, flowers. Uh, this film uh, obviously prom uh, prominently features dinosaurs eating flowers. And uh, I'd like to discuss for a brief moment the really fascinating evolutionary history of the relationship between flowers and dinosaurs. Back in the uh, early Jurassic period, the sort of early age of dinosaurs, there weren't a lot of flowering plants around. Most of the plants were what we call gymnosperms, which are sort of ferns, cycads, um, conifers, things like that. And the thing about gymnosperms is they are very difficult to digest and they don't offer a lot of nutritional content. So if you're going to be an herbivore and eat nothing but gymnosperms, you needed to eat a lot of them and digest them for a long time. So you needed to have an enormous stomach. And that is one of the reasons why dinosaurs became so enormous in the first place. They needed room to eat these massive amounts of plants to digest, and then predators needed to get large enough to attack those herbivores and so on. The thing about gymnosperms is, they have an evolutionary disadvantage, which is they do not sustain damage very well and they reproduce very slowly. So when you've got massive animals like dinosaurs eating them, they don't recover very quickly. And so dinosaurs kind of weakened the position of gymnosperms in our planet, allowing the flowering plants to fill their space and take over. Flowering plants reproduce very quickly and they sustain damage very, very well. And they also happen to have a higher nutritional content, which means you don't need to eat as many of them. So when we see flowers appear in the fossil record, which is, you know, they appear very early, but they kind of take over during the Cretaceous period, lo and behold, the dinosaurs get smaller. And they develop better teeth for chewing plants, and the whole ecosystem changes. So that's the reason why today, we don't have animals as big as dinosaurs because our ecosphere is completely dominated now by flowering plants. Robert Bakker went as far in 1978 as to say, dinosaurs invented flowers. So the next time uh, you're outside smelling a flower, thank a dinosaur. Uh, and thank you, uh, Professor Truthosaurus, for your lovely analysis. I would like to add something uh, to it, if I may. Uh, as uh, for my part of the segment, which is uh, Dr. Wrongodactyl. Um, I'm going to give some uh, further information uh, because Professor Truthosaurus mentioned, as, um, as I also believe, that uh, flowers uh, made dinosaurs grow big, uh, very similar to um, how uh, mushrooms uh, will make you large, uh, travel down uh, warp pipes, uh, stomp on various uh, goons. Goons, you can even call them goombas if you want. Depends on what part of which, New York you're from. Which, as and, we know, are dinosaurs which are we living know, in the sewer. Which we know as, yeah, are dinosaurs living in the sewer. They're gigantic, they're bald, and they really hate Bob Hoskins. Um, mm. So the problem... Well, who doesn't? Which, who, I mean, who doesn't? He's a very terrifying man. And 
The dinosaurs, though, they did have a problem where the more flowers they ate, the bigger and bigger they got until they became too big and they floated off into space. This, as we all know, was the original plot of Flowers for Aldenon. Um, until then, though, the dinosaurs would live basically happy lives, but that spirit still remains of the giant dinosaur floating in space um, by the holiday that we celebrate called the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Uh, thank you, Dr. Rongodactyl, for uh, your assessments. Uh, you are now banned from the university for life. Again, uh, I have a key. I mean, you have flowers in this valley that are poisonous. You pick them because they look good, but these are aggressive living things that have no idea what century they're in, and they'll defend themselves violently if necessary. You know what I love about that movie is that uh, <laughs> Sam Neill basically just, like, totally dismisses um, the, the the lady. Uh, what's her name? Um What's the character's uh, name? Dr. Sattler. Dr. Sattler. Because Dr. Sattler's like, can you look at these amazing plants? These Alan, are... this, this species of veriformin mm -hmm. has been extinct since the Cretaceous period. And Sam Neill's like, oh, that's cute. Uh, okay, look, there's a fucking dinosaur <laughs> then, over there. And then he fucking, and, and then he twists her around and breaks her neck and then she <laughs> yep, dies. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> it is a very violent neck turn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, definitely putting her in her place. Like, yeah. yeah, your plants are, yeah, plants. That's that's cute. Uh, let's talk about something real here for a second. Tony, uh, thank you so much for coming on. I'd like to ask you one last question. We ask this of all of our guests. Yes. Um, wh What would you say is your favorite dinosaur and why? Hmm. My favorite dinosaur... Uh, you know, I'm going to be, uh, this is probably a really uncreative choice, uh, in the last 25 years due to Jurassic Park, but I'm going to probably say Velociraptor. Velociraptors are just fucking sweet. <laughs> uh, that they are. Yeah. That's, that's been a popular answer. That's, that's Maddie's yeah. favorite or Maddie, I think qualified, uh, Deinonychus relative of Velociraptor and, uh, mm. our guest yesterday said Utah Raptor. So. That is the end of Land Before Timeland. Uh, the time machine is all charged up again, and we're ready to go back to our own time. Uh, thank you for joining us here, Tony. Do you have any final words about this movie? It was very boring, and I've already forgotten all about it. Yes, as as <laughs> it, as they wanted. I think that's the what, what they were going for when they made this movie. Just you know, just just uh, occupy your kids with the bright colors for seventy four minutes, so you can go have sex or something and it and it worked my parents had a lot of sex as i watched yep. this movie uh tony do you have anything to plug i have uh, several things to plug uh, i've got a youtube channel youtube.com slash tony goldmark it's got uh three seasons of some jerk with a camera eventually i'm gonna do a fourth one uh, i've got a bunch of episodes of one movie later state of the parks uh, i know you guys are looking for stuff to binge watch through this massive quarantine so uh uh, check that out. I've also got 19 archived episodes of my podcast, Escape from Vault Disney, at uh, Libsyn and iTunes and Spotify and uh, Google Play, all the usual places. And I'm also on Twitter, uh, uh, twitter.com slash Tony Goldmark for my personal account. And Escape from Vault Disney also has an account that's at uh, EFVD Podcast, where every Thursday night I do a live tweet of something uh, randomly selected on uh on Disney Plus, uh, I have the randomizer pick uh, four possible selections, and then my Twitter followers vote on which one they want to see me live tweet. So uh, I do that every Thursday night for the duration of this quarantine until the podcast resumes. So check all the stuff I just mentioned out. We will have links to all of those things in the description. 
Um, again, uh, thank you so much, Tony, and my pleasure. And thank you, audience. Uh, this has been Land Before Time Land. Uh, we would like to thank uh, Drew for helping us produce this one. Uh, always very great to have him. He's giving me a thumbs up, which is always a good sign. I like thumbs up versus other things. Uh, if you enjoyed this um, podcast and want to hear some more of our work, you can check out our YouTube show, Remain Seated with Chris Nebergall, which discusses the theory that goes into theme park rides. Uh, if you like music, you can check out uh, my uh, band uh, Inkblot. We're an indie alt-rock band. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, all the good socials. And if you like radio dramas that are in a pulp style, you can check out Tales from the Liberty Flyer. Uh, so, Chris, why don't we uh, get us all out of here and back into our modern times? All right. Uh, that does it for Land Before Time 4. See you next time with Land Before Time 5, The Mysterious Island. A fan-favorite episode. A, fan favorite. A lot of people have asked me about this movie, so it will be very exciting to do. All right. We're all ready to go. Activating Time Portal. See you next time. I, uh, I stowed this sports almanac away. Will that be a problem? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> Well, now that we're uh, safely back through the time portal in our uh, study, we're going to give you a little update on our legal situation. You may remember that we have had some unfortunate accidents involving uh, uh, lawyers uh, and uh, Tyrannosaurus Rexes lately uh, here at Land Before Time Land. Yes. And, uh, well, you know, as you might expect, this has landed us in some legal trouble. It's really disgusting when the legal system can go after you for something that wasn't your fault, like a dinosaur eating you. Sure, we may have not checked to make sure nothing came into the containment center. And sure, if we did, we may have kept it in a storage closet because it was a cute baby and didn't think it would grow so quickly. But that's hardly our fault. No, and it's with great distress that we have to tell you that we are going to sue Sparky. Yes, uh, Sparky was uh, well out of line, very much ignoring uh, the exhaustive uh, PetSmart uh, training procedures uh, that we put Sparky through. I mean, sure, it was, it was the, the training procedure for a parakeet, but we figured it was probably close enough. Sparky kind of talked. But uh, obviously, to conduct this lawsuit, we we had to reach out to a lawyer, and we got a good one. Do you want to introduce yourself? Is do, do I speak into this this um, this mic here? Yes, that's a microphone. Uh, it's how podcasts work. Uh, okay. Um, yes, my name is um, is uh, Brett Flanagan, and um, I'm a <coughs> lawyer from. Um, what state is this? Uh, well, uh, we're in California right now, uh, but that may not be where you're from. That that would be something that you know, not us. All right, cool. What what are we doing here? Uh, we're, we're suing Sparky the Tyrannosaurus Rex for eating our lawyers and landing us in legal trouble. You have a, a bathroom or something like that. I want to I want to wash my knees. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, we got a bathroom down there at the end of the hall. Uh, here in the study, uh, you know, we shouldn't. Uh, 
we shouldn't encounter any any uh, T-Rex problems, you know, unless one of them hijacked the time machine when we were asleep. Right, but, you you know. don't have a you don't have a smoke detector in the bathroom, right? Oh, absolutely not. No, okay, no, no, no. I mean, we we do way too many illegal science experiments in here for that. Yeah, well, I'm gonna go do a illegal science experiment on my own, if you know. Uh, you, you don't gotta give me I'm details. Just just uh, go go. I'm go have, have your time in there. I'm gonna smoke five packs of cigarettes while chewing two two cases of tobacco. I'm gonna put some some funions in my ears. Yeah, wow. You know, Madeline, I've really got a good feeling about this guy. Yeah, you know, I've been making the mistake of um, letting you choose the lawyers this time, and I think I finally picked a good one. I know. I mean, he's got seems to have his his uh, his life in order real well. Ah! Oh God! Oh, oh my God! Oh. Oh, Christ, on a biscuit. How did he get in here? Jeez, no, we definitely, I mean, locked up the dinosaur that we didn't know that we had. Well, uh, what are we do? What are we going to do about this? I mean, should we stuff his corpse in the time portal to hide it? or? Yeah, let's do that. But let me make sure we're not recording this like we were the last few times. That was really embarrassing oh, for yeah, us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go turn it off. This land was made for time and lamp. 